down. What me no word of you? Cause money mean the word of me. I'ma shine for the world to see. Pearl to read, throw the key. Get back, kick back, and throw the weed. Huh? Wanna roll with the top gun? Not one. Buck by one. Scrap not one. Wanna ride shotgun? Wanna shoot shotguns? And I got hot ones. But I want a chick. Gotta hop up on the stick. Put the pawn in flick, huh? Make sure my comms going in late. More sick, but screw that. We're my thugs with the hollow tips. Girls that acknowledge it. Polish it. After that, swallow it. Yes, people, what mean the world to you? Well, it's Thursday, so it's gotta be Echo Chamber, right? <laughs> people, before we get into anything, let's do what we do and take a look at the top 10 films streaming in the UK right now. So, at number 10, people, we've got Walter Dome's Trolls World Tour Man, it's come some flashbacks, right? It came out this time last year Woo! Okay, so we had a voice cast of Rachel Bloom Jamie Doman Anna Kendrick And Anthony Ramos At number 9, people What have we got? Well, it be sing Yes, the Gareth Jennings film Which starred Scarlett Johansson Tori Kelly Reese Witherspoon And Matthew Mahonahy So at number 8 What do we have? Well Let's uh, take a look Hey, not really a surprise Well, I mean the placement eh? But it's Captain America The First Avenger You know what I mean? With Falcon and Winter Soldier hitting Disney Yeah, it makes sense Cats are going back and looking at Some of this stuff, you know And it's a good film, right? So it was from director Joe Johnson Mr. Rocketeer Stars Chris Evans, right? Hayley Atwell, Sebastian Stan, and Hugo Worthen. Show at number seven. What do we have? Well, we've got a bit of an odyssey. Uh, 2001 Space Odyssey To uh, be precise So this is the classic Stanley Kubrick film Starring Kia Jula Gary Lockwood Douglas Rain William Sylvester Gosh, I haven't seen that in a chunk of change But uh, yeah um, at number six, it is a Zombie Land Double Tap, right? So this was from Ruben Fleischer, right? Starring um, Abigail Breslin, Emma Stone, Woody Harrelson, and Je- Je- Jesse Eisenhower. So we are in the top for for five people. What is streaming in the UK top five right now? Oh, well, people, it's a little Endgame business. Avengers Endgame, the Russo brothers killed it with this one, right? 
Chris Evans, Chris Hensworth, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo, Tom Holland, the who's who were kicking serious ass. We had some Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange. Yo, this was the nuts. Oh, people, at number four, we're sticking with the house of ideas. Spider-Man Far From Home, John Watts doing his thing in that Spider-Verse. Right, so we had Tom Holland, Zeander, Jake Gyllenhaal and Jacob Batalon. Oh, it's a great film, people. So... We're hitting that top three, and we have a classic, right? Luc Besson's Lyon, starring Jean Renaud, Natalie Portman, and Gary Oldman. Man, that's a great film, right? Love that film, you know what I mean? It's all about them assassins with a heart of gold. At number two, people, it's Todd Phillips' breakout film, right? The film that really opened up that DC universe for cats. It is a Joker. Sorry, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beats, and Francis Conway. So, people, that means the one, the number one film streaming in the UK right now. Oh, it is a Wonder Woman 1984 from Paddy Jenkins, Sir Gal Gadot, Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal, and Chris Pine. So, people, that's the films. Now, let's get into the room. Well, actually, let's, a uh, bit of news before we get into the films, all right? All right, people, let's get that popping. Well, people, it is about that time again. So mark in your calendar the 17th of March, which is a Wednesday, until the 28th, which is a Sunday, you will be able to experience the 2021 BFI Flare Festival. So obviously, because of the current situations, this year, Flair will be online, you know, but it will still be delivering a host, a host of incredible films, documentaries and shorts and other events. You know, it's got free streams this year, hearts, bodies and minds. So whatever you know, whatever type of film you like, horrors, romance, you know, thrillers, it is all here, and Echo Chamber will be covering it, so people, what is the Flare Festival, well, the BFI London LGBTIQ plus Film Festival is the UK's longest-running queer film event. 
It began in 1986 as Gay's Own Pictures. By its third edition, it was tagged the London Lesbian and Gay Film Festival and since then has grown to become the largest LBGTIQ plus film event in the UK and its most anticipated. The festival changed its name to BFI Flair in 2014 to reflect increasing diversity of its films filmmakers and audience. Uh, This year's festival is programmed by Jay Bernard, Michael Bliff, Zorian Clayton, Brian Robinson, Emma Smart and guest programmer Tara Brown. And it is led by festival's director Trisha Tuttle. So people, mark it down. The um, booking lines are open, so um, hit the episode details, and um, yeah, you will find you know links and all of that. So, people, remember the seventeenth to the twenty eighth of March, it's the twenty twenty one BFI Flair Film Festival. People, it might only be March, but. Hey, it's time to um, take note because April is going to be a bumper-packed month if you are a Shudder subscription holder, you know? April showers bring a packed lineup of new horror films and series to Shudder. AMC Network's premium streaming service for horror, thriller and supernatural for its annual halfway to Halloween month, with April marking the halfway point to Halloween, the streamer will celebrate its biggest month of programming yet. With a loaded slate of Shudder original films and series, an exclusive documentary, a library of cult classic favourites, and the return of halfway to Halloween hotline. Some do Christmas in July, but at Shudder, they celebrate Halloween in April to mark the halfway point to the greatest holiday of the year. (laughs) And, um, yeah, they have got a lot. So, the second season of Creepshow premieres on the 1st of April, with new episodes dropping every single Thursday. You know, so, you have that to look forward to, people. Uh, also, on the 1st of April, is going to be the premiere of Train to Busan Presents Pen- Penusilia. Pen- Penisulia. I'm pronouncing it wrong, but you know what I'm talking about, people, right? So, four years after South Korea's total decimation in Train to Busan, the zombie thriller that captivated audiences worldwide, acclaimed director Yong Sang-woo, brings us Penusulia, the next nail-biting chapter in his post-apocalyptic world. John Suik a soldier who previously escaped a diseased wasteland relieves the horror when assigned to a covert operation with two simple objectives, retrieve and survive. 
When his team unexpectedly stumbles upon survivors, their lives will depend on whether the best or worst of human nature prevails in the direct, in the direst of circumstances. So, uh, yeah, you have that, people. Um, Then on the 8th of April will be the power. Okay, so this is set in London 1974 as Britain prepares for electrical blackouts to sweep across the country. Trainee nurse Val arrives for her first day at the crumbling East London Royal Infirmary with most of the patients and staff evacuated to another hospital. Val is forced to work the night shift, finding herself in a dark, near-empty building. Within these walls lies a deadly secret, forcing Val to face both her own traumatic past and deepest fears in order to confront the malevolent force that infests and has an intent on destroying everything around her. Then on the 15th is The Banishing. Okay, so this is from acclaimed director Chris Smith. And comes the banishing which tells the true story of the most haunted house in England. A young reverend and his wife and daughter move into a manor with a horrifying secret. When a vengeful spirit haunts the little girl and threatens to tear the family apart, the reverend and his wife are forced to confront their beliefs. They must turn to black magic by seeking the help of famous occultists or risk losing their daughter. Yeah. Then people, on the 16th, new episodes of The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. That debuts. And then new episodes every Friday afterwards. So, um, yeah, if you're a fan of that, you have that. Also, an event exclusive on the 18th of April at 8pm Eastern or 5pm Pacific is the 2021 Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. So, uh, yeah, we got that on the 22nd of April is Boys from County Hell. Welcome to Six Mile, a sleepy Irish backwater whose only claim to fame is the somewhat dubious local legend that Bran Stoker once spent a night in the local pub. It's home to Eugene Moffat, a young man who fills most of his days drinking pints with his friends and pranking tourists who come to visit the gravesite of Aberach. A legendary Irish vampire, some believe to have inspired Dracula. When a personal tragedy forces Eugene to go and work for his gruff, no-nonsense father, he finds himself on the site of a controversial new road development that threatens to destroy the town's livelihood. But strange events unfold when Eugene and the crew tear down a famous carom, believed to be the final resting place of Abarach, and they soon come under attack from a sinister force that has inf- 
infested one of their workmates. As night closes in, the boys must fight for survival while discovering the true horror of a myth that hits much closer to home than any of them realise. So, people, you have got that and a whole lot more debuting on Shudder this April. So, if you're a horror fan and you don't have the platform, you're not really a horror fan, are you? Okay, people, so now we have all of that out of the way, let's get into this week's films. And we have four, so it's a jam-packed one, people. So let's go. Sometimes I kind of feel what is said on the poster of a movie pretty much lets you know what that movie is going to be, right? And it does seem to be the case for shortcuts, right? It's a difficult thing, right? Because you, I think anyone that makes a film, right? It's like MMA, boxing, sport in general. Anyone that's, you know, prepared to get up and do it, you, you give us some respect to. You know what I mean? Because not everyone will do that. Not everyone puts their stuff there to be judged. But it then does come a point where it's like, what, what do you want me to say here? Right? What, what, what am I expected to say because <laughs> you you like it, it's not a case of being mean and and spiteful but yeah there's uh, there's not a whole heap of glowing things to really you know jam about when you're talking about shortcut it's the i believe it's the third film from alessio liguri Yo, who directed it? It's written by um, Daniel Koski, uh, produced by Simona Ferry. Cinematography is Luca Santos Costino, edited by Jacques Pouriel. And um, the cast well, we follow five teams. So our five teens are Jack um, Nolan, played by Jack Kane. We have Kyle, played by Xander Emlano. We have Reggie, played by Zach Sutcliffe. We have Bess, played by Sophie Jane Oliver. M- Queenie, played by Molly Jew. Then we've got their driver, who's Joseph. Played by Terence Anderson. Um, yeah, the other people. I mean, there's a few other people here, but I don't know. Not a whole heap. I think the um, there's a creepy kind of villain who is played by Daniel. David Keyes, even. David Keyes, yes. So, I think they're um, our main people, really. 
and the gist of this story, well, that is a group of five British teenagers are taking their usual school bus home when an unexpected detour turns their night into a nightmare. But this isn't your average night as a rare lunar eclipse is on the cards as Nolan and his classmates Bess, Kyle, Queenie and Reggie soon discover. Bom, bom, bom. So the poster, right, it has glowing recommendations like um, solid adventure horror movie with a terrific cast. I mean, if you think solid, if that is the best adjective you can find, you were stretching. You because there's so many things. If you're trying to describe things, right, there's so many things and words and metaphors and descriptives that you might use. But just to be like, yeah, solid. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, that's the kind of thing that you say when you're, you know, trying to be nice. And someone else is, they're kind of saying it's like the breakfast club. This is nothing like the Breakfast Club. It's all we. The only similarity is it's got five kids in it. That that's it. That's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just like, wait, how are you equating this to the Breakfast Club? You know, you there's so many other things you might want to equate it to, like you know. Horror films like I don't know Jeepers Creepers, yeah, I know what you did last summer. You know what I mean? Screen like there's all those weird little teeny horror films. Final Destination, like you might want to go. Oh, it's a hybrid between blah blah blah. But the Breakfast Club is such a stretch. It's such a weird thing to say. You know, so our film, right? Our film. Now it starts off, right? It, it, it starts off with, um, you know, uh, woods. We, we're seeing like woods, then a hand slaps on a tree. And you're like, huh? Then you've got someone in a yellow jacket running, running, which. After, like, the, the, I think one of the other things, after everything we've learned, it, that makes no sense, right? This, when you actually figure out, like, the whole gist of the film and the premise and all of that, like, this scene makes no sense. You know, because it's just like, you're not running from anyone. But we see this kid and he looks scared. Right? So you're thinking, oh, okay, where, where is this going? Like, obviously, this is something that happens later in the film. And, oh, I wonder how our characters get to this point. But we're on this for a long time. 
a long time and while we're on this scene we just have this music that's just like da 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 and it's just like oh it's just too much like the musical beds they've used in this film is just too much too heavy too intrusive too like Yes, this is the scary part. This is the scary part. You know, and you're just like, oh, okay. Ugh, come on, man. Calm down. And we have these voiceovers. <laughs> these voiceovers in the film that are just... Oh, they're very cliche. Right? Our, our voiceovers here are so cliche it's it's a bit difficult right like every journey has its road and every road sooner or later comes to a cross you're just like can we can we not right because it's not red with feeling right now you know there's certain people that do great voiceover work you know, like Morgan Freeman. You know, always great. Always great to have a little Morgan Freeman to be like, you know, like if you just think of um, any film with Morgan Freeman, be just like, he could be presenting the weather and be like, so coming up is the weather map and you can see, oh yes, you can see. It's going to be a bright day. In the Northern Hemisphere. Jerry, you'd be like, oh, shit. Tell us more, Morgan. Tell us more. Right? <laughs> I just don't, every time, beginning of a UFC, they've got the voiceover. And it's just like, when two men step into the octagon. And it's just like, oh, yes. Yes. Can't wait for this. But this voiceover is just like, oh, so every time, has its road and every road sooner or later comes to a crosshair and you're just like ah oh, come on and it's difficult to blame the actors here right it's very difficult to blame the actors because you're just like why didn't they get better direction you know surely you would hear it and you'd be like okay Listen, I understand, but can we inject a bit more emotion in? We need a bit more feeling with this moment. Can you do that? Boom. Right? That, that's what, you know, our directors and producers are meant to be doing. Right? Giving these people direction on how you want these scenes to go. Right? But we don't get that. So, yeah. We have this you know opening moment and we're seeing this bus drive and we we don't really know what's going on so in the you know synopsis it's like they're on their way home but you're like okay but i don't know you look at all of these kids and you i wouldn't necessarily say they're all the same age right you wouldn't necessarily say they're the same age. And you're just like, okay, so where's the rest? You know, and they never, like, they're never really talking about 
like oh we're on our way home you don't feel like any of them know each other that well because if you're on this same journey every single day even if you're not in the same classes you would know each other a, you know a bit more than how it's perceived but it's a weird one because sometimes it plays it like they they know each other and they're friendly other times it plays it like they're not it's we get this very confused feel on things and then the bus driver joseph is like the interaction joseph is having with these kids is a little bit weird it's a little bit weird right for a bus driver and I don't even know, right? I ain't never seen a red school bus like this, right? <laughs> I don't know. I have never seen a red school bus like this. So, yeah, you'd be like, oh, it's, mm, it, it's just this whole concept is hard to buy into. It's hard to buy into. And we keep on having this, we keep on having this weird thing, right, where they're playing... I think one of them's listening to, I don't know, something. And it's like, oh, tonight's going to be a lunar eclipse. And this same audio is played at least four times. But at no point, like, if you're going to play it that many times, you have to have, you know, maybe one of the characters is like, listen, I can't listen to my thing, man. I'm going to have to restart this. God damn it, shut up. And then do it like, but just to have it play again, and again, and again. You're just like, wait, why the fuck is this keep on playing? Like, why is this keep on playing? So, you know, they're driving and they come across a fallen tree. Right, which you look at and you're just like, huh? Like, what? What? what's going on here? Right, why is this? So you see a, like a, some construction thing. And the tree's just gone down. Like, it's it's obviously down for a reason or something. But you would think, like, okay. Someone would have told the school, <laughs> right? If, if this is a legitimate school route, right? Someone would have told the school. Because that's what always happens. You would have to tell the school, oh, we're doing work. You're going to have to, you know either leave later or earlier or take this route home so that would be the thing so they're driving and then again they come across a, a dead animal across the road but the the thing is the animal isn't very big right so they they're all concerned and be like oh worried and you're like well, wouldn't you just drive over? Like, it's it's not, it doesn't seem big enough to obstruct the, the, you know, the school bus, right? That's the thing that makes no sense. It gets dark really fucking quickly, right? So, yeah, you're kind of looking at this and being like, okay, where the fuck do these kids live, right? How long is this journey? Is is. Uh, none of it really makes any 
sense. Right, so they, they hit this thing, and you're just thinking, all right, wouldn't you just go over it? But they act, you know, you kind of look at it, and you're thinking, this film is, is present day, right? This is a present day film. So straight away, you'd just be like, listen, wouldn't you just ask one of the kids, be like, yo, could someone help me just move this thing off the road? Because everyone, look, you know how things happen in a horror film. So either you drive over it, or you'd be like, listen, the quicker we get this, the quicker we go, you know what I mean? Or, or just something like that. Or you'd give us the keys to someone and be like, yo, here's the keys. Any problem, just press the thing and drive. Or, you know what I mean? But we, we don't get that. Don't get any of that. So, then... We get the this criminal dude appears, right? This whole criminal dude appears, and it's like all another thing. But it's suddenly it's completely dark now, right? The when the driver gets out the bus, it's not dark, <laughs> right? But suddenly it's it gets dark so quickly. It, it, it's all a bit like oh, none of this makes any sense. But our villain, our bad guy, it is played so off. It is not even, I don't even know what to say about it. I don't even know what to say about it, right? Because it's all, a, oh no, he's trying to be a little Jack Sparrow-ish or something. But it's just not, nothing is believable. Right? Nothing that's happening is believable. And then you've also got the kids who, I don't know, right? You're, you're trying to be like, oh, these kids are scared or they're not scared. And you're, it changes every, every moment. Right? Some moments you're having, oh, the kids are really scared now. Then it's like, oh, the kids are tough now. And the kids are, it's not consistent. And we had this weird cutaway scene, Right? We have this weird cutaway scene that I don't even know why it's there, but it's Kyle talking to this dude who we don't even know who this fuck this dude is. Talking to this dude. And this is how he knows who this this dude is, right? This this scene is to tell you that Kyle knows who this dude is, but the scene itself makes no sense. Makes no sense, and it is just inherent to the issues with the film, because the dialogue between these two is off. Like, all the dialogue is so off in the film. Like, you don't feel like anyone knows each other. You don't feel like people have spoken to real people ever. Right? Because the way they are talking is just... makes no sense. Right? It always feels false always feels false and just jam-packed with cliches like jam-packed with cliches people you know what i mean but so all of the and all of this that is going on it's not even in the main kind of gist of our film yet right so we're just like what what is all of this? Like, what is the purpose of all of this? I have no clue. Honestly, you're just like, I have no clue 
whatsoever. Right? It, it just all seems some pointless, pointless, pointless shit. And very frustrating. Very frustrating. Like you've got, you know, again, the character's trying to pretend some, or some of them that, oh, I'm a tough guy, I'm a tough boy. But you're just like, oh, come on, man. Like, no one really has a defined personality. I think that's one of the, the major issues. Because you don't care about any of these characters. You, you just don't. You don't. I don't care if anyone dies. Because I don't know anything about them. Right? We just have some cliched shit. And that's it. Right? Now, later in the film... They try and force, like, this, these weird little love moments between some of the characters that makes no sense. And I will say, right, look, it act, tries to act like none of these people have seen horror films in their lives. Because when there's three people and one's like, oh, I need to go to, a to to the toilet, the other two would just go, right? The other two would go with them. But in this one, it's like, well, you wait here and you come with me. And you're just like, wait, why would you even split up? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. And if you're in the same room with someone and one person is getting snatched, you're telling me you're not going to hear? Right? There is, oh, my days. There is a lot happening here, people. And it's all very odd. It's all very odd. Right? And again, it's, you know, it's hard. Like, you don't want to just run it down. Right? And be like, oh, it's terrible, it's terrible. If there are any moments in this film that's just great, you'd point it out. But it's just, it's difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult. Like, a lot of the film is in the dark. So it's so hard to see. So hard to see the action that's going on or anything like that, right? And yeah, they it's just these little cheesy moments that they throw in. Like at one point, this one guy's like, Oh, I love your art. Yeah, I saw it on the bus. And he was like, Okay, if you go to the same school together, surely you'd have known that this person's an art, like, or something. But again, it's this weird thing, contrivance, where it's acting like they know nothing about each other at one moment, and the next moment they're all cool or anything like that. You know, and the way it ends, the way it oh. So there's a you know you you scratch your head and you wonder, okay, if it just does that. Why the hell didn't you just, you know, in the first place, right? You, you just, oh, there's so many things that go on and you're just like, but why are you doing that? <laughs> you know, like, why would you do this? How is that a thing? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Like, the, the you know, the end, we get this horrible voiceover again. And, and they're trying to force, like, these themes into it. Like, courage and friendship and boo, boo, boo. But we're not seeing 
any of that from any of these people. It is just like, if you want to have a theme, at least be have it be a strong component of the film. Because your themes are not strong components of this film. It is frustrating. But listen, right? I, you know, I'm not, like, I hated I Know What You Did Last Summer. And fight the Final Destination films and... You know, none of those stuff, Creepers, Jeepers, like, they're none of them are my thing. So if they're yours, this might be for you. You know, if you liked the sequels to Ginger Snaps, this might be for you. Right? So listen, the trailer's in the, um, you know, episode information. So, hey, give it a look. If you like the trailer, then boom, people, go grab it. Go check this film out. And you can do Monday the 29th, right? It's available on DVD and digital download. So, the, again, the links are in the episode info. So you can go pre-order, right? Pre-order your copies or your link. And, um, yeah, give Shortcut a little look yourself, people. So that's, remember, Monday the 29th of March, you can bring Shortcut into your life. When someone tells you, right, oh, this film means so much to me. You know, it's a part of my childhood. And then you watch the film and you go, oh, that's how you're portraying your, your hometown? You know what I mean? It, it does make you wonder. Also, sometimes a working title sounds a lot better than the actual film title, you know? So I just checked out Last Call, which is, um, yeah, the new film from Paolo Pelladi, right? He directed it, he co-wrote it along with Greg Lingo, and it's based on a story from Lingo, um, Michael Bonham, and uh, Billy Riley. Right, so, um, yeah, it was originally meant to be caught. Well, its working title was Crabs in a Bucket. And I kind of feel like with all the references in the, um, just mentions, Crab is mentioned so, nearly in every scene, right? The pub is called The Bucket. It would have been a better title than Last Call, which is just a little generic. You know, you could probably find at least 20 films called Last Call. You know what I mean? Should have done with crabs in a bucket. Should have done it. I don't know why they didn't. You know? Uh, so, um, music is by John Natchez. Cinematography is George Gibson. It's edited by Ethan Manquiz and Pete Talamo. 
And, um, yeah, the cast. Well, it's a, you know, it's an all-star cast. Like, all all big names and whatnot. So we got Jeremy Piven. He's playing Seamus McDougal. Um, although he's called Mick a lot. Right? Which I don't quite understand. But, hey-ho. He's got a, a brother called uh, Lawrence McDougal. Um, he's often called Dougal. And he's played by Zach McGowan. Uh, their dad is Lawrence. He's played by Jack McGee. Alright, and um, we've got Ali, who is Seamus's childhood crush. And she's played by Taryn Manning. Um, we've got Mrs. C, who is played by Kathy Moriarty. Uh, we've got um, Dr. Baba Brown, played by Cherry Oteri. Uh, one of, you know, Dougal and Seamus's friends, Whitey, is played by Jamie Kennedy. Um, then there's Digits, who's played by Peter Patrikos. Um, Charlie is played by Joseph Gansacoli. Um, Carla Betsy Bootler, Paddy Chris Curson, um, Melanie played by Leticia Castillo. Um, boosh, who else have we got? Uh, Mr. Del Vecchio is played by Gary Pastor. Um, Mrs. C, who is... Oh, yeah, we just said Mrs. C. That's some Ali's aunt as well. Right, so, um, yeah, that's the cast. Right, so the plot. What is this film about, you may wonder? Well, it follows local success story and real estate developer Seamus, a.k.a. Mick, as he returns home to Philadelphia. As he begins to reconnect with the neighborhood he grew up in and the people he left behind, he finds himself at a crossroads when forced to decide whether to demolish or resurrect the family bar. So, yes, there you go, people. Right now, the film is full of those, and it's just full of those cliches, right? I mean, you get it. Like, you, you can look at this film and instantly you kind of get, you know what it's, what's, what's going to go down. Right, so we open up as everyone as kids. I have to say, right, as a kid, I, I wasn't blowing up condoms, right? For some reason, they're blowing up condoms like balloons. I don't know why you would do that. There's a box of condoms, that ain't cheaper than a bag of, you know, a shitty bag of balloons, right? 
and at least you know balloons aren't covered in spermicide right why would you want to blow up a condom i don't understand <laughs> it is something that is, is baffling me a little bit about this but um anyway right so we had them as kids and in it you know Seamus and Ali you know you, you see this little connection between them she gives him a charm bracelet and you know all of that kind of thing but we just you know she's her and her dad leave the neighborhood right they move out but then we jump to um here's what it is so it and that kind of sequence ends with you know Seamus on the ground with his friends and brother jumping on top of him and we transition from that to him getting a massage right which yeah i like there's a, a good few sequences of this whole massage thing which i don't really it doesn't really make too much sense i don't know why it's in the film you know it is something that doesn't necessarily need to be there right and the film is like it's an hour and 40 minutes right i don't think it really needs to be this long there are definitely things in the film that could be cut right it is a bit of a you know it's a covid script in other words it it ate way too much <laughs> <laughs> it way too much during lockdown. <laughs> Got a little bloated, you know. He chimes a shot. <laughs> what can you do, right? But um, yeah, it, it's an odd kind of thing. But then we see, you know, Seamus. He's at work. He's got a good job now. You know, he works in real estate, and he gets a phone call. Right, gets that phone call. He's um. Yeah, his mum's died. So he has to go go back home, right? And um, that's when it kind of, you know, just kicks into just a, a, a ton of those cliches. You know, like the bar and everyone at the bar. I remember they like, the accents are bad. Oh, my God, the accents are very bad, right? It's just like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing here? But, you know, I, I, a lot of times, you know, we have films like this and everyone's pretending to be drunk. But it, it's the pretending to be drunk that is never believable as drunk. Right? You you never watch these people and be like, oh, gosh, that's... Man, they played that really well. No, it's just always... That's a little over the top. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, what are, what are we doing? I don't know what we're doing. But, yeah. He goes home, you know, the, the funeral and all of that. And the, the weird thing is, so obviously there seems to be something going on in his work, right? Where, um, you know, there's jobs going on. They're trying to push certain things through. He's looking to get a promotion and all of this. But he, he's asked to, you know, try and push through this casino in the local area. Right? And you get a sense because it's like he understands what the deal is. See, this is the thing. From a meeting we see at the start, 
you get the sense he understands what the whole deal is. But as things play out, you see that most people in the community do not want it. Don't want it. But he's, you know, still trying to push it through. And he's lying to everyone. Which then, you know, like, all the things you see, you know they're going to come back and bite him in the ass, Right? It's just one of those things. Right? You know it's going to happen. And so, um, yeah, we that's kind of the plot. But with in it we've just got all this stuff going on that's a bit like uh, where is this going it does meander a lot right because we hear about his brother doing a load of dodgy schemes and all of this but no real there seems no real indication of what is happening Right, because supposedly he's paid money to the, to try and help his family's bar out, but has no clue on anything that's going on. Which you would kind of think, if a mortgage is signed over in your name, you're getting the letters, you're getting the indicators of, you know, rent's being paid and this and that. But yeah, he's, some reason he has no idea, right? Which you, you just think, wait, how is that possible? There is a lot happening that you do kind of wonder, you're like, wait, I don't really make any sense. And everyone in the neighborhood is just a bit, just a bit trashy, right? No one's got any sort of ambition. Everyone's just a bit like, blah. Apart from the, the lady who owns the bodega, right? She's always giving him enchiladas, and he likes her, and all of this. But he still kind of screws her over. You're just a bit like, wait, but why would you do that? Like, it makes it makes no sense, right? And why are you depicting everyone to be a bit trashy, right? Which, again, doesn't make any sense. So the director, Paolo Pilati, said, right, this is what he said. Um, I was raised in the Overbrook section of West Philadelphia, a blue-collar immigrant enclave of compacted row homes, butcher and barber shops, bakeries and bars. Just across the city line is Upper Derby, the town that was the inspiration for Last Call. To suffice to say, I knew this world intimately. I am of this world. And it's a bit like, yeah, but your depiction of the world is like everyone is just kind of shit. And with no aspirations or anything. Right? Now, it's fine to be like, oh, these people, you know what I mean? They weren't able to get out. But to show everyone as having no aspiration and just everyone is involved in petty Like, look. Even in shitty areas, not everyone is into the crime, right? You have people that are legitimately trying to go straight, trying to do the right thing and all of that. But that's not what we see with this, which, 
yeah, it doesn't quite make any sense, right? And it's, it's just a lot of all the other stuff that's kind of going down. You know, you, you've got kind of, um, yeah, he, his brother doing scams and weird things. Like, there's a fundraiser going on where he, which his brother started saying he's raising money to help Seamus sort out his dick problem. And you'd think, all right, you would take all of that down, right? And who would even do it? It's a, it's not something grown people do, right? It is, it's stupid. It's just a little dumb. But you couldn't call the film a comedy. Right, there's a, there's this weird supposed humour in here, but I don't know if you could really call it a comedy. You know, it, it it's just a bit. I don't know, man. I don't know. Right now, if you want to, you know, just dilute it to its pure essence. Obviously, right? It it's just this little. Little love story between Seamus and Ali, them reconnecting and finding out who they really are. Right? That's that's the gist of it. What and while finding out who they are, they get to help the ones they love. Right? But you've kind of convoluted the film with all of this other odd shit. Right, like um, sex games and and stuff like that. Right, is it's a bit like uh, how does all of this tie in? I there's a lot of stuff happening. You do wonder. You be like, wait, I don't understand how this matters or ties into the story itself. You know what I mean? It is. It's a bit odd. It's very meandering. And then, don't you just love it, right? You know those scenes in films when someone hands over the cop, like information to the cops and be like, um, I think that's going to brighten up your day. And the cop just pulls it out slightly, has a little look, and then the, the look of shock on their face. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. You don't even know what the fuck it is yet. Like, how do you know what it is if you haven't even read it? That's just some ludicrous shit. Like, what are you doing? Like, what? what is happening here? Oh, it makes no sense. But yeah, there's one of those. But it's like, um, yeah, if you're working for someone and you are doing a certain project for them, you would know, you would know the kind of gist of what you were doing, right? You wouldn't have to ask a new hire and be like, uh, what's the deal? You know what I mean? You would know. So the plot of this film doesn't really make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, right? It's a little baffling. Now, I kind of think it's it's probably for people who, 
I don't know. I think maybe local to the area, right? I think maybe if you live in Philadelphia, it you know, you might see the charm in it all, right? I think that might be the thing. Or it maybe if you've grown up, your parents are landlords and all of that, you might kind of vibe with it. But yeah, I know people. All I do know, right? It is out on Monday. So on Monday, it will be available on any of your favorite digital platforms. Right? So you'll be able to purchase it and, um, you know, see if the story of Seamus and Ali, you know, brightens up your day. You know, it gives a little spark to your heart, right? Or will it be the last call for your soul? <laughs> Who knows, people? But yes, it is out on Monday. So last call. Um, yeah. Go have fun. So every time a British gangster film comes along, you're never quite sure what you're going to get, right? Because you've got the classics, you know, you've got the great ones, but you also got the real hokey weird ones, the ones that, um, you know, make no sense whatsoever, right? The ones that make you go, wait, what the fuck was that? <laughs> so you always have to wonder, okay, what is this one going to be like? You know, how is this going to go? But they're usually, um, yeah, they're usually worth a check at least, right? You'd be like, okay, let me take a look. Let me see. Um, let me see what's gonna happen with uh, with this, right? So that was the case with Nemesis. So this is the new film from uh, director James Crow. So Crow also produced the film along with Adam Stephen Kelly. And Jonathan Sorfcott. It's written by Adam Stephen Kelly too. Um, and uh, music is by Robert Jeffrey Hughes and Chris Hurst. Cinematography is Christina Zelkovov. Right? And um, yeah, there is a lot going on in this film. There's a lot going on, people. It's um, it's interesting, right? So it has got, definitely got a cast. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I should probably just everything has a cast, right? But um, yes, no, this has got a, a I think a lot of um, you know, if you have watched a lot of you know, well-known English gangster films you will know the cast right we've got uh bill murray as john morgan now that's not the um you know the bill murray bill murray 
this is the EastEnders, the, the British um, Cockney Bill Murray. All right, we've also got Nick Moran, who plays Frank Conway. Um, John Morgan as he's um, actually we should do the Morgan family, right? So Morgan's wife Sadie, she's played by Janie Nasira Softcott, um, and their daughter is um, yeah, their daughter is played uh, by Lucy. Um, Gosh, who's the daughter? Kate, no, Kate. The daughter is played by Amber. Amber? Yeah, I think that's Amber Moore, right? Um, now he's got his brother Richard, played by Frank Harper. Um, Richard's wife is Janet, played by Rebecca Ferdinando, and Zoe. Which is a big part, like Kate even, a big part of the thing is um, she's got a new girlfriend who is Zoe, played by Lucy Arden. Yes, that is correct. Now, John's also got a, he's right hand man, right? He's His nephew, I think it is, Eddie, played by Danny Bear. Right, I think they're kind of like our, our main people and oh john's boss damien osborne who's played by bruce Payne. so the gist of the film is this right an underground kingpin john morgan returns to london from his semi-retirement in turkey along with his wife sadie triggering a cataclysm of violence retribution and murder morgan's return reignites a feud with a vengeful cop named Frank Conway. Um, yeah. Is not welcomed by crime boss Damien Osborne and is the catalyst for bickering between his brother Richard and nephew Eddie. John endeavours to reconcile his family at a party in his apartment where um, they are set to meet his daughter, Kate's new girlfriend, Zoe. But the family become trapped in their own home by a gang of heavily armed intruders. So yes, that is the film. And um, it is, it's a, yeah. <laughs> so, you know. I think we get a lot of the, there's a lot of, you know, stuff that you would expect, right? So we get the return flight, you know, husband and wife to him, like, oh, why are we doing this? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then we cut to, um, you know, the daughter as she's, um, you know, with her girlfriend, but she's, I don't know, a lot of times they, people want to include, you know, Instagram and social media and all of that, and people talking about their followers and stuff, but it's like, yes, that is a thing right now, but also, only if you are, you know, 
if you're doing something right it's not just you don't just get followers <laughs> like just for no reason so it says like you you need to show these people as being as doing something right whether it's you know modeling makeup or clothes or you know other fashion or you know they're an actor actress or you know author or artist that like give us something like you, you know, it's a bit lazy when you're just like oh they're on social media and they've got followers i mean and what else but we anyway we have this interaction between um yeah kate and zoe right which seems very nice very sweet very uh, lovely and all of that all right and it's you know moving along so we're at a benefit we then jump to a benefit where we first meet our disgruntled um police officer okay um frank conway and it, it's a little bit like he randomly turns up at this benefit and then he's allowed to talk and talk and talk and you're just a bit like security would have thrown him out long before this happened it's, it's a yeah it, it's an odd scene because it doesn't make any sense why they would allow him to disrupt it for so long but it's kind of the trigger for a lot of things right so Frank's then called in to talk to his boss at the police and John's called in by his boss Damien Osborne so we then have all of this stuff going on so there's a lot of moving parts right and it just seems that no one's very happy <laughs> no one's happy of the current situations now it's very amusing because we um ah well you know with these sort of things you get these conversations that don't really they don't work as normal conversations like people don't talk to each other like we see in these things you know it's all a little bit much <laughs> and they're just they're like just the way think they're delivering lines right i don't know if you want me to do that well i think i want you to do it oh do you because i will do it go on then do it and you're just like, well, you, you, what the fuck is this? This is not a conversation. <laughs> What's happening here? Right? But we, you know, everything is moving. And then we're seeing friction between the brothers and, you know, Eddie. And it's just like, ah, okay, this is going to bubble over at some point, obviously. Because things are a little bit ropey. You know, we get like um scenes of people thinking about killing themselves but not but i don't think it's like when the scenes are happening like it, it's we haven't seen certain characters enough so you know 
nothing's gonna happen right it's a bit one of those ones it's like listen for us to really believe like these characters need to be more integral they need to feature or do something pivotal for us to be like oh shit that's gonna go down right so there are things that happen in the story where you're just not really buying it but yeah it's plodding along and then the story takes this crazy frigging crazy twist that you're like wait what's that <laughs> I mean, it, it just goes in this in this weird direction that you're just huh okay well i wasn't expecting that you know that's uh taken a turn you know, like everything is just yeah it takes this really weird turn and you you're kind of baffled to okay if all of these people are involved how right how and i think there's the there's another big thing is wait if someone is real crazy you can only hide that for a certain amount of time right you would need like yeah you couldn't be with someone for a a real extended period of time without seeing at least glimpses at least glimpses of this craziness there's the way it's given to us is if this person is straight crazy straight loco you know what i mean so you are a little bit like wait how the fuck is that happening and um someone that knows that character is like oh, wait what you know all shocked and you just be like wait how the fuck could you be shocked you should know you know so there's these weird very weird things that go on <laughs> Which, listen, it's odd. It definitely jumps the shark. Definitely jumps the shark. But I would say it is a mute. It's like amusing enough to, you know what I mean? Make it worth its while. Right? Because you're just watching the way all of this falls out. And it's like... I don't know, the, the, like the way I think people were moving and doing things, you're just a bit like, wait, hold on. If you are this top gangster, surely security is going to be a lot better than what we're seeing because, yo, your security system is a la la lax, like super lax. It's insane. You know what I mean? And, and I would say another thing, right? There is, there's a moment when you're kind of thinking, okay, how are you not walking around with protection? Because I swear, there was other scenes when they, you know, people have got guns and shit, but it's just like, wait, when everything goes down in a certain fashion, 
you would think, okay, yo, it's protection. You know what I mean? We're making some phone calls. We're taking care of this shit. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, it doesn't seem to go that way. It's a little bit baffling. And I would say the end makes no sense, right? It, it's far-fetched as hell. It's far-fetched as hell. It is crazy. You know, you do... It, it will have you rolling your eyes, but it is amusing as fuck. Right, I will give it that. It is amusing as fuck. <laughs> I just the the way it all plays out. You're just like, oh, these people are crazy. All right, fuck it. I'm down for this. <laughs> I'm down for this. Oh man. Also, there's you know one thing I did notice. In their house, in these this affluent gangster's house, they've got like this. I swear it's just one of those standard pictures that you might find in like um oh there was that poster shop called Arena, right? That sold all of those things. And now you can buy the kind of those stock kind of posters from like IKEA. You know. It's it's not this one, but it's similar. You know, like, you've got an old building, right? And you've got the, the builders sitting on the, um, one of the, the big, like, struts of the building. You know, you see that picture all over the place. And it's just, yeah, if you're really into art, you, you're not having that picture. But... People that aren't into art, they'll buy that. <laughs> and they've got one of them. They've got one of them in their house. You know, like, oh, okay. <laughs> one of the most bizarre scenes in the film has to be Sadie cooking, right? She, well, is she cooking? I don't know, she, well, she's in the kitchen, right? She's in the kitchen talking on the phone. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> and it, it does seem like a bit of an unnecessary scene. You read, you know, like, um, <laughs> that, like, does this scene actually serve a purpose? You read, like, listen. Ain't kicking the scene, but it is one because you know, I guess when yeah, Sadie, right, who is played by um Janine uh Narissa Softcott, right? With her husband working on the the film, she didn't have to do the scene. So the fact that she did do the scene, she's fine with doing the scene. He's fine with that scene being there. So yeah, if, if you're happy doing scenes, it's it's no issue, right? But <laughs> it doesn't really seem like a scene that is necessary. But it is, you know what I mean? It, it kind of reflects the film, right? A, a little OTT, but 
I would say in a fun way, right? This is one of those films that it's, hmm, how can we put it? Well, it's not um, Silent Night, right? Silent Night, it's, um, yeah, it's that, um, man, Joe Fry film we talked about, it was towards the end of last year, right? It's not that film. You know, it's not a um, lock stock. But I will say, um, Frank Harper was in Silent Night 2. You know what I mean? So there is a little connection between the two. But yeah, it's not a lock stock. It's not a football factory. You know what I mean? It's not a snatch. But yeah, it's amusing. Right, it is amusing. There, I think there are films where you've got bad dialogue, right? And then there's films that the dialogue is ropey enough that it's it makes you chuckle, right? Makes you chuckle because it's just like ah, yeah, this is how gangsters speak, <laughs> right? So um, yeah, if you enjoy that sort of British gangster film. I think Nemesis will be for you, you know, and just for the, um, hmm, I'm trying to think how long it is, right, it might be the last 40 minutes, right, the last 40 minutes are just crazy, right, so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, the film is worth it just for the end, right? Well, I mean the end, the second half, right? Because it's nuts. It is nuts and you're like, say what? <laughs> also, though, if you've got a big problem, right? And it's a problem that's, you know, not necessarily legit. You're not going to just go tell it to anyone. Right, so there is one of those, right, where someone just turns up in a bar and then just spouts, spouts all this stuff to the barber, and you're just like, huh? <laughs> like, why the fuck would you do that? <laughs> Makes no sense. But, uh, yeah, it, it just adds to that cliche, that genre, you know, little nod, right, that makes Nemesis... A bit of a fun film to check out. So, you, if it sounds like it's a film for you people, you can definitely check it out on Monday the 29th, right? So, yes, it's another Monday the 29th of March release. And on that day, you can grab it as a DVD or a digital download. So, yes. You've got that, people. So, yeah, mark today in the calendar. And, um, yeah, maybe you can bring a little nemesis in your life if you don't already have your own personal nemesis. You know? Hi, people. Have fun. I mean, some films you watch just leave you with so much to think about right, so much to think about people, and 
trust me this is not hyperboil when i say violation is one of those films now <laughs> i kind of feel with a title like violation it's gonna do something right uh, if you're calling your film that it's got to have some sort of impact and i i think the impact of this is like a tyson punch it is whoa <laughs> you know what i mean it is whoa people trust me god damn it was something right and um i was not expecting it i was not expecting it at all <laughs> I mean, it is probably one of the the pluses of having a terrible memory because you forget what you're actually gonna watch right you you forget it's something you, you know you read through the, the the stuff that comes through and you think ah oh, okay that seems interesting i'll check that out but you've forgotten you've forgotten you even thought about that <laughs> so yeah violation came along so this is the um feature debut from madeline sims fewer and dusty machinelli Okay, so they co-wrote, co-directed, co-produced. Yeah, they, they really put this together. Man, and um, it is, um, well, it's, the music is from Andrea Bocadroro. Cinematography is Adam Crosby. It's edited by Gabriella Wallace. Um, and the cast. <laughs> well, yes. Sims Fewer, actually, she is also the lead. Which, you know what I mean? You're thinking, okay, so you wrote it, directed, you're producing, and you're starring in? God damn woman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, spread the talent around. You know what I mean? It's like you, God damn, that's a lot of hats and a a lot that you're carrying and delivered so well, right? So yeah, Simsfield is Miriam. Um, her husband is Caleb, played by Obi Abili. Her sister is Greta played by Anna Maguire and um, Greta's husband is Dylan who is played by Jess Levercom yes and the story well okay this is um this is what it is about okay um so it's a I think, yeah, it's been called a turbulent feminist revenge fable that explores the idea of trauma within families and entangles a sticky web of resentment as a troubled woman on the edge of divorce embarks on a vicious crusade when her sister and brother-in-law betray her trust. Hmm. Yes. Right? I mean that that's that's a terrible thing, you know. So um yes, you know, she returns home 
looking for help, right? But one evening, a tiny slip in judgment leads to a catastrophic betrayal, leaving Miriam shocked, reeling, and furious. Believing her only resource recourse is to exact revenge, Miriam takes extreme action, but the price of retribution is high, and she is not prepared for the toll it takes as she begins to emotionally and psychologically unravel. <laughs> I mean, like, you kind of think with, with that, it's like, well, what? What could this be? Right? What, what what would this mean? So, I think an interesting thing about this is, well, there's so much, right? The cinematography is incredible. It, it's, we get these just amazing shots of, like, rivers and woodland and everything like that, but not just the scenery, right? They, they play with the shots, too. Like, there's this one shot, where it's mirrored, so the, the bottom is reflected on the top, or maybe the top is reflected on the bottom, I don't know how that works, right, but there's a reflection, or there's not a reflection, and I'm just being weird, but I feel there's a reflection, people, okay, but yeah, we get to see these incredible shots, but then there's this weird creepiness involved as well, right, like, um, you know, wolves and and stuff, right, so, um, yeah, there, there's this, all this stuff going on, now, it opens up with some opera, I mean, no, not opera, I mean, it's in classical music, classical music, and it's a, a misty, a misty day, yeah, or maybe it's the morning dew, who knows, it's just, yeah, it, it's got a vibe, which pitted with the music, oh, it, it does set the tone, right, so we see all of this, and it's a bit kind of blurred, bit blurred, and we, there's a figure, right, there's this figure, and you're like, hmm, what is going on, and then we move, and we see something else, and we're like, wait, what, what is that, and then, yeah, it's a wolf, it's this wolf, right, and the wolf is there, and then we're, like, the camera's moving along the wolf and everything like that, and there's, like, just these weird things, and it's just, you know, it, we don't get this clear shot, so what you're seeing, it all, it's all very vivid and weird and kind of eerie, right, and it's eating a rabbit, so we're seeing all of this, but... I think it's the way you look at the wolf. There's at one point it looks like it's got three eyes, right? So you're never quite sure, is this real? Or is this, you know, something else? A fever dream? Like, what is this? Like, what's going on? I don't know. But so we leave from that. Right, that's our owner. So we lead from that, and we're now on a, you know, with a car. So we get the over, over, um, head view, and then we kind of go into it. And we've got Miriam and Caleb in a car, and oi, 
If you thought the opening was eerie, then this is just tense. Right? They're not really talking. They're not really talking at all. You know, it's frosty as hell. But, you know, there's so much. Right? So, also, so we've got the car, but then we've got, like, um, you know, Miriam and, you know, she's looking out and Greta and, um, you know, Dylan. They're coming up the stairs from the lake and there's just all this stuff going on, right? But you get the sense, you know, Greta and Miriam are real close. Right, you that's how you how it kind of seemed. They're really close. But then this whole, you know, Miriam and Caleb, they're just yeah, something weird is happening. Right? Something real weird and just uncomfortable. Which does make you just feel a bit like, ay. What's going on, man? Like what the fuck is going on? You know, but I think what really throws you with this film is we're watching it out of sequence, right? So the events that we're seeing aren't necessarily in the order they've happened. So you get like this, you know, bits of anger and stuff like that. And you're just like, wait, that seems out of place. I mean, they were just laughing over, you know, a game of, um, I don't even know what you call it. I, I played it. That's the other thing that's irritating. I played it, and I can't think of the name of the game. You know, it's the one with, like, the little buttons, and you the black and white ones, and you're moving around. Kind of like chess, but not chess. You know, so, but we're, we're seeing them in different stages of, like, a weekend say and so you 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 kind of like huh so they're happy now they're not happy like what's going on and how are they pissed at each other over these things and so it's a bit baffling right it's a bit baffling until <laughs> people like I I, I I I would say the I don't know. It is probably about 20 something, I don't know, 25 minutes in. 25 minutes in, you kind of, you see something happening. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, the funny thing is, we do actually see a scene that plays into this earlier, but you don't know what it is at the time, right? But we, we get this, we get something happening that kind of makes you go, oh, that's why everyone's being weird, right? I get the tension now. I understand. But the way the scene plays out, it's a little bit odd, right? Because it's the flow of everything, right? It, it's the, oh, tell me what this is and tell me what that is. And 
all, and all of this and then it's just expressions when you actually look at the expressions and the nature of what is actually happening you kind of feel that something odd is about to t take place now people what takes place i don't think you're ready for right because it's just like whoa 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 whoa, whoa what <laughs> you know what i mean it's just like okay i was expecting something i was not expecting that i was not expecting that right so you are just straight away now you're kind of like oh you are die you're 100 percent dialed in because you know you're i feel you're you know you're tied into the film already right leading up to this moment you're you're intrigued you are very intrigued but from this moment on it's like oh my god okay you you really got me okay <laughs> I, I, I ain't going anywhere people you need to um explain right i need to know where this is going and what happened what the fuck happened right i you you do wonder though the way all of this plays out and this i understand i'm being vague but i can't say too much right i do not want to spoil these moments for you but i have to say right there's a lot that's happening that you kind of think i won't let that happen to me man because it's just like it, it, i hear there's there's these power dynamics and the only time can certain things happen is if you really know someone right <laughs> otherwise nah no 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 but man it's great now this might seem like a tangent right but what this felt like to me was um stephen moffat era doctor who now you know wait with me people because i understand right there's doctor who which is a family film and then there's violation which is straight 18r <laughs> you know what i mean so the content is different but what i mean is when stephen moffat took over from doctor from uh, russell t davis with doctor who right and so it started at the very end of the david tennant era right so moffat was a writer first so he wrote this episode i think it's one of the last episodes with david tennant and um a lot was happening in the episode and things didn't quite make sense like out of nowhere he had something where he'd be like hey thank you man uh, I, yeah i won't tell anyone don't worry and you're watching it and you're like huh okay but the episode was so good that these weird little moments although they're weird you're just like yeah okay i'm i'm you know i'm i'm prepared to be on this ride 
right? And then as you watched more and more, once, you know, Matt Smith took over and, you know, Moffat was full-time showrunner, then you understood, right, that all of this stuff interplayed. And then there was this one episode towards the very end of Matt Smith's run where you get the other side of the David Tennant episode, right? So then you have Matt Smith doing this stuff and you can then understand the interplay and the interchanges. And it was like, God damn, that is so smart. God damn, that is so smart. You know, watching something that has been cut up and plays out of linear, but it makes so much sense. When you understand what is going on, it makes so much sense. And I feel that is what violation does to you, you know? Because once you understand the events that have played into some of the key things of this story, you're just like, oh shit, yeah. I I get it. I really freaking get it. You know, Eva's that's just some oi. That's some fucking messy shit. That's some real messy shit, man. So yeah, you it, it it's um it's interesting as well because I think it's the when you read like the bio what I read earlier, right, and it's like, um, Miriam faces the betrayal from her sister and her brother-in-law, now, I, I would say that not all betrayal is quite the same, <laughs> you know what I mean, and the, the, the sister-in-law, and the, the sister and the brother-in-law betray is very different, right, and I think the sister's betrayal is, I, I think it's easier to be like, I kind of get that one, right? I kind of get that one because it plays into the whole sister dynamic, right? Of, you know, them one-upping each other and just all of that craziness what comes with siblings, you know? So, um there's trust issues and everything like that, and some resentments that are held over from other times, and we see those come out, for sure, but yeah, so we have all of this stuff happen, so the sister, I feel not understanding certain things, it, it kind of makes some sense, now I think one thing I thought is very interesting, right, so I, I saw someone say, oh, it's hard to kind of side with Miriam because leading up to certain events, she's not exactly nice. And I think that's what is so interesting about this, right? Because I think sometimes you watch certain films and the plot goes in a certain way and because certain events happen to a, a girl that is, say, your girl next door, right, smiley, wears bright colours, you know, just all of this stuff, right, you, you, you feel super bad for her, and, you know, that's a narrative, oh my god, how could it happen to her, that's so bad, ah, and listen, 
certain things happening to anyone it's not a great look but it's easier for people to side with that character what i like about this is that miriam isn't perfect right she's not perfect and yeah she might be an arsehole but right here's the thing does that still warrant certain things happening right you're still a bit like no like regardless of how someone is it doesn't mean they deserve certain things right so yeah we we see this and the level of what we see is very interesting it's dark as fuck right but there is another scene later in the film with her sister skinning a rabbit and I think that tells you everything, right? Tells you everything because it's just like, oh, I understood halfway through that I need to finish this, right? I can't rely on people to come and save me. Yeah, so it's like I had to fight through feeling ill, feeling repulsed and just get it done. And you're like, ooh, that is very true, right? That is very true. There's a lot of times, you know, we just let certain things happen and we'll be like, well, I'm going to go and tell this person and then they're going to sort it out. But it's just like, well, you don't always know that that person is going to sort it out for you. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just got to take care of shit yourself, right? And we see all of that. We see all of that, and it's so, so well played, right? All the acting is great, especially because, you know, you there's characters that you probably will like, right? There's people you will probably really like until you know exactly what happens. Right, and even when certain things happen, you might feel bad for those people. Like, oh my god, that's harsh. Oh, but it, it it it's like you know what I mean. You don't know someone, right? Just because someone seems happy and seems nice doesn't mean they're actually nice, right? Because I think it's very interesting when we get the um the playback from this incident right and how it's recalled completely differently like completely differently which is like god damn and i think when you, if you really listen to it all you understand you understand what's happening right but we do actually see the events later in the film so i think that's really interesting because sometimes they show you the action before the cause right so you might see the escalation of something and you think oh damn that's harsh but then you finally see what led to it and you're like oh yeah that makes so much sense yeah <laughs> so it's a very interesting way to tell a story but I loved it, man. It is, it is so, I was going to say fun. <laughs> I don't know if you could actually call it fun, but it, it's very 
interesting and compelling, right? Because I think it forces you to not make rash judgments, right? And it forces you to look at all the detail, right? The, the nuance in how something is said, the body language, right? Just all of that is super interesting. So we get these very nuanced performances, which are fantastic, fantastic. And I, I think, especially at the end, right, there is a scene that I think shows the, um, shows that Greta now believes Miriam, right? And it's not said, it's just a grip on the knee, right? Because also Greta asked a question and got a different response to what she was told had happened. So it's just like, yeah, okay, yeah. So it's super interesting. And I just think, oh, I, I would love to know what happened next. But you read, you, you, the, the way it ends, you, it's still satisfying. It's still super satisfying, you know? Now, there are other things that happen, right? So we get all of this. We do not know, really, what has led Miriam and Caleb to where they're at. We don't actually know that. But I, although it would be interesting, it isn't super necessary, you know? It, it, it's not super necessary, really. But, yeah, I, I think as events play out, you do kind of think, ah, Caleb, man, you're a bit passive-aggressive. You know what I mean? Like, it's a bit like, look, if you don't want to talk to someone, right, if you don't want to interact, just don't be there. Don't agree to go on a motherfucking trip, son. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, ah, oh, there are definitely... There are definitely things in every one of these characters that is irritating. Irritating as fuck. <laughs> but I think the um, everything that unfolds, oh, it, it, it makes you think. It makes you think. And I think it's brave choices that are made. Definitely brave. Because, like, People might think, oh, it's over the top with certain, certain actions. I don't think it is. And I wouldn't call it torture porn either. You know, because I just think it's, it's showing the repercussions of an accident. Well, not an accident, of an action, right? Repercussions of an action. And, you know... Pushing someone to a point where, you know, you're just like, I don't know what else to do, right? Because who else is, if someone, if this person isn't going to believe me, who the fuck is going to believe me, right? And I cannot live with this shit, so something's got to happen. So, yeah, I, I thought it's super interesting in that regard. I thought... The the whole scene, like 25 minutes in, yeah, super interesting the way that was filmed. Because normally, 
we would not see all of that, right? Which also, it's an odd one, right? Because if it was on the reverse, you'd see the woman, but you don't always see the dude, right? And, you know, it's not I want to see the dude, but it's always just a weird play of things, I feel, right? But, yeah, just... Man, everything that plays out, you're just like, oh, it shows a method, a mythological, a method. Hmm. <laughs> I feel it shows the character of Miriam, the the way she goes about it all, right? The way she goes about it all. Though I was like, yo, surely you should be wearing gloves. <laughs> You should be wearing gloves from the giddy up. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but people, anyway, um, before I give too much away, people, what's Violation? It is now on Shudder, right? And you know what I feel, people. If you don't own Shudder, what the fuck are you doing, right? So go check it out because it is tremendous. You know, as I said, look, for first-time filmmakers, Madeline Sims Fewer and Dusty um, McAnelly have done a tremendous job with the direction, the production, you know, the, the, the script, and then the acting. Oi, the acting is so good from all. So good from all. So, yeah, I maybe... Maybe not eat on a full stomach if you're, uh, you know, prone to feeling quibby. Quibby? Quilby. You're like, what's that word when you're feeling nauseous? Maybe. But yes. Um, and uh, remember, it's an 18. <laughs> it's definitely an 18. So it's, it's not a fam watch, right? But it's a good watch, people. So yes, go get you some violation. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Alright people, so as we draw to a close on another episode, let's just take a quick look and see what's happening in the world of films. Alright, well, um, yeah, Timor Beck... Beckman Betov, right? He's uh, just had his new film picked up by Focus Features, right? And it's going to be dropping kind of soon on the 14th of May, right? So the story is of an undercover British journalist played by Valine Kane, and she's on a quest to bait and expose a terrorist recruiter through social media while trying not to be sucked in by her recruiter and lured into becoming a militant extremist herself i mean i would say <laughs> right should be kind of easy <laughs> not to be like yeah i'm gonna go and be a suicide bomber right especially if you're a journalist and you know the facts but um hey ho <laughs> oh my gosh Right. Um, 
other, there's uh, been some movement when it comes to uh, films, right? So uh, Guy Rich's new film, to be honest, I didn't know he had a new film in the works, but yeah, he's got a new film coming called The Wrath of Man, and um, it's just been moved to the 7th of May. So yeah, it's going to be coming kind of soon, right? So it's based on a French film called Le Conville, and um, obviously it's starring Jason Statham, right? And he plays a cold and mysterious H who works at a crash um, a cash truck company responsible for moving millions around Los Angeles each week. Um, it's also starring Josh Harnett, Scott Eastwood, Holt McCannery, Jeffrey Donovan, Laz Alonso, and Raul Castillo. And also, those that were disappointed Spiral didn't drop last year, well, good news people, because it is now coming on the 14th of May. Alright, so this is the new Saw film that was, um, yeah, basically created by Chris Rock. So I'm, I'm super intrigued by this. Right, it's also starring Samuel Jackson and Max uh, Minghella. All right, so other news. So Bewitched, right? It was a classic TV series back in the day. You know, Elizabeth Montgomery and all of that. Well, it's coming back, but this time as a film. Yes. So, um. Terry Matalas and Travis Fickett will be writing the script and um, John Davis and John Fox are producing it so um, they're saying that this won't be a meta rom-com kind of affair right like the 2005 version that came so this one is more straightforward about a witch who marries an advertising executive and then tries to hide her powers while her crazy relatives drop in often so yes we will uh, i don't know we'll see what happens with that one right so in other news right we've got a a bit of dc film news right They've just um, got two of their big villains set for their new films. And it's got a bit of a British tinge to it. Yes. So, first up with Shazam. Yes. So, um, Helen Mirren is joining the, pe- the, the feature. And she's going to be playing Hesperara, daughter of Atlas. Right, so um, yeah, she's the uh, big villain in this one. So um, eh, I don't know. We'll see what uh, happens. How this unfolds. Does Helen Mirren make a good superhero bad woman? Now, also, right, the the recent um, news of uh, Doctor. 
Dr. Fate, right, would be joining Black Adam. And they've just revealed that Pierce Brosnan is going to be playing um, Dr. Fate. Yeah. So, uh, you know, from James Bond to um, superhero villain, whatnot. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, Dr. Fate in this is Kent Nelson, a son of an archaeologist, archaeologist who was taught sorcery skills and given the magical helmet of fate. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now, um, I have some interesting news when it comes to uh, John Wick, right? So, um, Derek Kolstad, you know, he wrote the, um, you know, the first three films, right? But he has um, done a recent interview saying he's not going to be writing the fourth and fifth film that are coming, right? Which is an odd one, but also maybe a good one, right? So, supposedly, it was a Lionsgate decision to move him off the films in the writing capacity. But I kind of think, okay, because the first three films have been bonkers, right? They've been insane. And if someone sticks around for too long, you know, especially when you're getting multiple volumes, there is the... The fear that it becomes stale and just retreads. So maybe new writers on these is a good thing, right? But it does sound like he's still involved with the franchise because, um, yeah, he's saying that, you know, the Continental and the Ballerina, yeah, there's, there's information that will be dropping on those shortly. So, yeah. You know, if he's still with the franchise itself, that's not too much of a bad thing, right? And, um, you know, as Keanu Reeves plays old Johnny Wick, it is, um, yeah, interesting because he is, um, yeah, he's just signed up to a new, uh, action film at, um, Netflix, right? And it's also funny that the film itself is getting a film and an anime TV series, right? So it's based on a Boom comic book series called, um, I think you'd pronounce it Berserker, but it's spelt B-R-Z-R-K-R. Yes. So it was written by Matt Kint. Um... And illustrated by Ron Gannery, right? Ran for 12 issues, you know, so um, it was actually based on an idea from Reeves himself, you know, so, um, yes, interesting, right? So, um, basically, right, it's, yeah, the characters are half mortal, half god, right? And um, follows the warriors' eighty thousand year brutal fright through the ages, 
He's a man cursed and compelled to violence, and after wandering the earth for centuries, he's found refuge, working for the US government to fight the battles too violent and too dangerous for anyone else. In exchange, he's granted one thing he desires, the truth about his endless blood-soaked existence and how to end it. Hmm. Oh, definitely, there's some interesting ideas there. Not necessarily new, but yeah, we'll see how it all unfolds, right? Um, so yes, in other news, right, with uh, sticking with Netflix, um, they've got a new action film on the way called Our Man from Jersey. Right, it doesn't have a director as of yet, but it is going to be starring Halle Berry, um, Mark Wahlberg, and uh, David Guggenheim is uh, writing it. So it's being dubbed as a blue-collar James Bond. Hmm. Kind of thought that was Jason Bourne, but uh, meh, I don't know. I'm uh, down to see how this one plays out. But I think the bigger news of the week is that, um, yeah, Cruella and the Black Widow, they're still hitting the cinemas, people, so don't worry about that. But they will also be hitting Disney Plus in their premium access on the same day, right? So, um, Cruella will be hitting on the 28th of May. Oh, and Black Widow, a little bit of a birthday present that is hitting on the 9th of July, people. Pow! Nice. So, um, yeah, you know, the, the premiere access will be $30. So you can watch the film. I don't know if you then have it forever to watch. I'm assuming, yeah, it's not a, a case of you have it for a set amount of days or hours, right? So, yeah. I don't know, there you go people, right, um, yeah, I think people have wondered about this for a while, so, um, now we know what the dealio is, but, um, yeah, other films are coming, um, which have, you know, from Disney that have moved their, uh, dates around, right, so, um, Luca, will be hitting on the 18th of June, and that's a Disney Plus exclusive. Um, Free Guy is on the 13th of August. On the 3rd of September, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings will be hitting. On the 22nd of December, we're gonna be getting another Kingsman film. On the 14th of January and next year is Deep Water. And on the 11th of February, next year is Death on the Nile. So, people, yes, that is it. All right, we are done. We are finished for part one. Yes, there is more, people. So, go over to part two for... Um, Another review and an interview with the director and the star. Nice. You won't want to miss that one, people. Definitely worth 
the, uh, you know, the checky check. All right, people, have fun. See you in part two. All right. Sweet, but it can't move. Oh,